0: Welcome to another unique time hop. Uh, a couple weeks ago I posted an old recording from Denver StarFest that kind of tied in really well with uh, the theme of the episode that was upcoming, which was Star Trek 2009. Hope you had a chance to go listen to both of those. Well, this time our main episode is going to be on Watchmen, which is obviously an adaptation of the graphic novel. Well, as it happens, I did a panel at Denver Starfest back in 2013 about adaptations, bringing print to screen. So, I don't know, I figured I'd throw that in here too. Typical warning with any of these things, it was recorded in a big room, the audio is a little, you know, up and down. I think you'll still get the gist. So I hope you enjoy, and uh, we'll be back in a week with Watchmen. All right, welcome to the Denver StarFest 2013. From the printed page to the flickering screen panel, my name is Christopher. I'm with the Time Shifters podcast and John, uh, part of the Johnja.net family of podcasts, all two of them. Orphan Entertainment, if I can just plug that one real quick, is one of my other podcast, And that is a podcast where we're kind of digging through and exploring films and radio and such of public domain. There's a lot of really neat stuff that have fallen, just have just because of age or because people just didn't care about it, are now free and for everyone to read and listen and watch, so we like to kind of pick one out once a month and start reviewing those. But this panel is not about public domain, although kind of maybe is a little bit, because the the idea is talking about adaptations from printed materials to the screen, whether it be television or movie. And this is something that's been done uh, since the moving pictures started. Uh, some of the earliest silent pictures, I've, it's certainly that were uh, kind of genre-related, were things like Frankenstein and uh, First Men in the Moon, that sort of thing. And I think we can all agree that over the years, these adaptations, some have been really good. We've really enjoyed them. And others, we've, we went, why did you do that to my favorite book? Um, <laughs> so I thought we were just down to discuss and talk about, you know, what goes... You know, what happens to these things? Why do you think they make the changes that they do? And this is all uh, just from a fan's perspective. Uh, I was hoping to have a, uh, uh, an expert in with me. Again, this panel just sort of, I think the 9 a.m. Uh, start time sort of uh, made a lot of things kind of fall apart, uh, so I do apologize. So this is really going to be a little uh, slip shot here. So, <laughs> so this is all going to be from a fan's perspective. Uh, but, you know, hey, we're all fans, and that, the, the fans are the ones that go see the movies. Uh, we're the ones that pay the bills for these uh, studios and stuff, so why shouldn't it be our perspective? Uh, we should have a, a, a say and a little bit of criticism on the matter. So let's talk about just uh, real generally about what goes into when they uh, make these adaptations. I mean, there's obviously going to have to be a little bit of editing. Uh, you know, the, the, what we see in the movie theater is abridged to what is often in the in the book. Um, but I think we've all kind of went, oh, why wasn't that scene in there? Uh, this is a, and let me remind you, too, this is an interactive panel. I mean, I want your opinions, and I want your thoughts, so anytime you have you guys have anything to say, throw your hands up, if, and uh, I'll, of course, throw out some questions, and then just, yeah, throw your hands up, and let me get to you with the mic so I can make sure to hear you. I already got a hand. I love it. All the way in the back, of course. <laughs>
1: Uh, I, I, I'm a writer. Um, I, I've done some adapting, um, finding out the difference between what you what you write in a fiction as as a fiction work and what you write as a screenplay. As sort of um, where the fundamental differences begin in genre, and so I, I'm wondering if we could chat
0: about that a little bit. Sure, did you have any uh, specifics in in, in mind or any uh, on the topic?
1: Well, an an, an example that jumps to mind for me that isn't a sci-fi example, but um, uh, is an example of an adaptation of of something that's out in public domain is uh, Talented Mr. Ripley. Uh, I, I felt like that was an excellent adaptation of the novel because the themes of the novel came through in the film, but I also feel like the film stood on its own because it used factors in film like cinematography, costuming to evoke some of those senses that you get when you read the written page but can come at you sort of instantaneously through film Uh, like the moment when he was talking in the mirror to himself um, or the moment when uh, they were riding the Vespa through the streets of Italy
0: all right, very good. Yeah, no, let me be clear. I don't want this to be like a uh, let's let's bash the screenwriters panel or anything like that. I know that what they're doing. Yeah, oh, how disappointing. No, I, I know what they're doing is an incredible task, and it's one of those things that you know is thankless because someone isn't going to like what you did, uh, regardless of how good the film is. You, you know, there's always going to be someone that's going to come in and say, oh, but you left out my favorite part. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't want this to turn into, and I didn't expect it to be any kind of. Um, a bash the writer or anything like that, but I mean there are times. Yes, sir. Well, I no. <laughs> I just want to hold
2: it. Uh, okay. Um, I, I think that especially when you're dealing with public domain stuff, the problem that you run into is that the time period is what 75 years, and there's a, a going to be a, a cultural disconnect there that may need some updating. So I don't I don't know necessarily that the adapters are trying to completely, you know, kill the project. They're just, they're trying to kill the work. They're just, they want to make it more relevant or up-to-date. Up and sometimes it, it's just, I mean, that the time for that particular work may have passed and they're trying to do the best they can with it.
0: <clears throat> John Carter kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so there's, there's what yeah, Yeah, that, that, you're right. Yes, there is, uh, you have to update things to keep it, to try to fit it into the current times. Um, something that was written in the Late 1800s is going to have a lot of themes aren't going to hold up uh, to a 21st century audience. Uh, that is true of definitely the older stuff, but of course, there's lots of adaptations that are more recent, uh, which can be just sometimes it's the most popular thing. And so the studio wants to, you know, cash in on what they can, maybe, and, and, and bring it to a, a larger audience. And so they, they, uh, they do a film adaptation, thinking things like you know, Hunger Games or, or, or Twilight or you know, any number of those. I don't even go back you know, Jurassic Park. Uh, Jurassic Park was actually one that I felt was, you know, for the time and everything, I thought it was a great ad- adaptation of the book. No, you couldn't fit everything that was in that book. That's, you we got to remember, you, you pick up some of these books, they're how thick. You know, a typical screenplay, probably not even as thick as that book. <laughs> you can't fit it all. And sometimes with something like, especially in the genre, you know, you can imagine it and you can put it on paper, but being able to put it on screen again, you get the uh, issue with it, what can you do with it at the time.
2: What's the ratio?
0: I mean, the, at one point, I know it was said that uh, a,
2: a page of, of uh, screenplay is worth a minute of screen time, but I know it, it's not not really that necessarily anymore.
3: It's so- is it
2: about it's about that
3: yeah. Yeah. so you're looking at
2: you know if taking a 350 page novel and condensing it into an into a, 120 two, or a 120 page manuscript I mean you're, you're going to have to try to keep only everything that drives the plot but exactly. at the same time there's a possibility of uplifting those things that were in there that maybe were a bit more turgid like say Umberto Eco's In the Name of the Rose the book itself is, is fairly ponderous but it, it moves forward very well I mean Mostly making Franciscan monks into Scottish people is probably fine too. But I don't, you, know, it's a, you know, I I like Scottish people as as Russian submarine captains as well. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a, and that, that's actually a film that I really enjoy, The Name of the Rose. Uh, I've not, I have not read the original, you know, the the novel or anything that it was based off, but it was, it, it's a movie I really enjoy. The movie is much it's much more gripping. Yes. Okay.
4: Well, if you're talking about um, um, a book that has a lot of descriptive qualities, you know, like, say, for example, this is an old example, but um, How Green Was My Valley? Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of stuff in there that was a description of the countryside, a description of the grinding poverty of the people and all of that. And visually, you can do that in seconds. Right, yeah. You know, so, so there's a playback there. But if it's something that's really dialogue intensive and you're, you're you know getting at little things and you're all sitting in one room and there's nothing you can do
5: with that, then that's going to be a lot harder.
0: It's your David Mamet, maybe you can do that. Yeah.
5: Yeah. And then on, on that question, there's there's a question of um, what are the creators trying to do in terms of faithfulness towards the original work? Um, sometimes you have a very loose adaptation. Um, and sometimes you have a, a drive to be a very to do a, whole for a very strict adaptation. Um, a Lord of the Rings is obviously one of the big big, big examples, but um, here's a here's another one. Has anybody seen Atlas Shrugged? Yeah. No. yeah. Wow. Okay. Two people. That's that's kind of scary. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure it's on the list. So I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean Atlas Shrugged. That that movie, the, those movies are ideologically intended to be as. You know, close to the book as possible, to the point where they're probably actually going to do the entire three-hour speech in the in the last movie. Oh, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) they gotta! I mean, it's it's like, otherwise, the ghost of Anne Randall come up and eat their soul or something. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, so there's so there's a question there. I mean, is how how faithful is you? What am I trying to say? I don't know. I guess I just made my
0: point. I think oh, yeah, you made a fine point, and I do the same thing. Yeah. I start, I started, and started, and, start and Then I think, what was I trying to say? <laughs> I hope I said it. Yeah, I
6: hope I said it. Um, well, I think one of uh, one of the big uh, issues with with um, adaptation is how uh, something I really place into is how big the fan base is. Um, you know, if you have something like you know Harry Potter, obviously, or Twilight or Hunger Games, um, maybe not so Twilight, uh, <laughs> you have, you know, especially um, Harry Potter and the Hunger Games, there's so many little things in those books that, you know, to one person might not seem so important, but like to another, you know, Harry Potter fan or, or Hunger Games fan is one of their favorite parts. Like, Spew from Harry Potter wasn't in the movies and people got so upset about it, Um, or Hermione's dress was not periwinkle and everyone got so upset about it, Um, where in reality, you know, you look at um, some of the little details and uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, making more people, I mean, movies make more people aware of the books just by, you know... People go and see the movies. Unfortunately, people don't read as much as they as they watch movies because it's easier to just sit back and watch a movie. Guilty. Uh, guilty. And, <laughs> <laughs> guilty. Uh, and um, I think that movies do a great job of making people aware of these amazing stories. And so I think what sometimes fans forget is that the important thing is to, you know, have people fall in love with the book as much as you have you know they'll see the movie and they'll go and they'll read the book or even if they don't read the book they see this amazing story and sometimes maybe they'll miss a few things but the story's still there and it's still just as important um, so I think that's sort of a, an issue of like well do we want to uh, uh, like you know make the fans happy or do we want to promote this amazing story and unfortunately have to skimp on a few details you mm-hmm. know um, so I don't know it's I, I'm a screenwriter myself, and it, it's hard. To, <laughs> I've been, you know, tr- I've think I've been thinking about writing, you know, a couple of adaptations, fan adaptations of some of my favorite books, and I'm like, oh, oh god! Every time I write a page, I'm like, that's a minute. Oh god, I have so much. That's a minute. <laughs>
0: my my five-hour screenplay. So
6: where do
2: you land on the continuum when it comes to because if you look at like Chris Columbus in the book in the first book of Harry Potter you know he, he was religious in terms of how he was trying to be so very faithful oh. and you contrast that with Alphonse Curon in the third movie <coughs> which was so much more trying to make more of an artistic statement right. where where do you land on that continuum?
6: You know?
2: because that's all still within the same movie universe
6: yeah I I mean I you know I'm, I'm obviously I'm a die hard Harry Potter fan um and I, I feel like, you know, I love I love the first few movies because they were so faithful, you know, um, because they tried to keep as much in it. And once it got to the third, and especially the fourth, um, it, it was... I, I, sometimes, you know, I, I, me and my friends were a little disappointed because, you know, they left out some things that were really close to our hearts. But I think um, what... The directors and the writers were faced with was was that the first few books were much smaller, and so there wasn't. I mean, there wasn't quite as much, you know, um, to they they could put more details in and keep it at a uh, you know an an hour or not an hour, jeez, two hours uh, or less, you know. um, And but when it start, once you got to third and fourth, then Obviously, I mean they had to split the last book into two movies. I think that speaks for itself. Um, they still had things that were left out. Um, that that was definitely that plays into it because you know the smaller the book is, the less minutes <laughs> that you have to worry about. Well, I mean, you know,
5: when when you're talking about stuff like uh, Deathly, you know Deathly Hallows one and two, or um, Twilight Breaking Dawn one and two, and
6: the book did not need to be.
5: T- no, but neither. Did the, but you know, but really, neither did Deathly Hallows. I mean, you could, if you were, if you were willing to, you know, to, to take the bullet, you could condense Deathly Hallows into one movie. There was one movie's worth of plot there. Um, why they didn't was, well, first of all, it was a financial decision because people go to see Harry Potter movies and they, think, they, are, they are ridiculously profitable. Therefore, the more Harry Potter movies, the better. But at the same time, they're trying to please the fans because they know the fans want to see everything in the last book because that's where everything comes together. And it's the last one. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> having
1: one more to just sort of
5: weed
3: it off. Yeah. You yep. have prequel. Did I see some hands raised down here. Any comments? I was just going to bring up the size of the source material you were talking about there. I mean, the first book is what 200 pages mm-hmm. and big print, and then the third book was more like 900. I mean, so right there, and then the last book, nearly a
0: thousand, or whatever it was. I mean, the size—it's huge change. Yes, uh, that's true. Uh, it, maybe that's a little bit something that happens, especially with these uh, where they do the adaptations of series, like something like Harry Potter's or Lord of the Rings. Where a lot of times it starts out like I'm sure when she started out Harry Potter oh great here's this little cute little book and here's another little book you know and then suddenly this this huge fandom group about it and it's like oh well, I need to give these audiences more and so by the end you have these giant books and then someone comes in oh we want to make a movie I'm like, yeah good luck with that yeah <laughs> uh, I also wonder. If you're saying how early on they were trying so hard to be as faithful as they could to it, and then by the end they started uh, waving their hand a little bit more and got a little more fuzzy on the details, do you think there's any um, factors in there about the fandom was incredibly hot when it started? And I'm, saying, I'm not saying the fandom dipped a, a lot, but the fact the fandom probably started dipping a little by the time you finally get to those final movies. Do you think well, we've got less fans to please? Do you think that that ever comes into play? I'll have to ask Harry Potter down, the Harry Potter fan down here, real quick. I don't,
6: I don't know. I don't think that that comes into play a lot, just because, you know. It, it, I think that, especially, I mean, it's with Harry Potter, especially. I, I don't know about, you know, Hunger Games is obviously not over yet. Um, god Uh, (laughs) but um, with any series that's ending um, when it comes to that end the excitement and obviously the nostalgia and all just the fan activity goes up so much Mm -hmm. that even if like I think it accommodates um, and so I think that yeah, the directors maybe might have felt, oh well, you know, it's sort of. Well,
0: let me put it this way: Do you think the fandom shifted a little bit, where suddenly you had a larger fan base of the films versus the oh. fan base of the books? Let me let I me put it that way. I think. Where then it becomes a little less important to be as faithful to the books because you're yeah. just trying to please the people that are coming to see the movies.
6: I don't. I don't. I think with with Harry Potter, I don't. I don't think that.
0: That may not be the best yeah. example but it I is mean, it is one that I can I think, th- think of that had a lot of books yeah.
6: The, yeah I think it depends on the book if if there is if there's a series that is finished um, before the movie comes out or finished you know some almost finished before the first movie comes out then I think it becomes more of okay it's uh, we want to please the people who are fans of the movies because you know they're not as like excited about the book because there isn't a new book coming out, so why not? Right. Well,
0: yeah, remind me of the timeline. Wasn't uh, she still writing like the last book or two when oh, they were yeah. films were being? Yeah, that's yeah, what I thought. Yeah, no, um,
6: they were the movies were generally I think two. R- correct me if I'm wrong. I think there were two book, uh, two movies behind the books that she was writing. So um, I think because you know you'd see the movie and then like the, for the last book, uh, um, they had. Uh, I believe it was Goblet of Fire, maybe. Um, they had that movie come out. Um, it was, was it Bas- Prisoner? It was Prison-
5: Prisoner of Azkaban was the last movie to come out? Was the movie out uh, around the time um, of
6: the last book? Of the last. Okay, book. yeah. Thank you for yeah. So um, when Prisoner of uh, not Prisoner. Jeez, <laughs> I am tired. I do not have my coffee. Um, front. <laughs> yeah. When that movie. Came out. They made it come out specific when they found out when um, uh, the uh, last Harry Potter book was going to come out, and that whole fiasco happened. Um, I was just reading uh, Harry history, and she was talking about this um, that they sort of pushed up the premiere to come out. I think like a month before the. black book did oh wow Um, and so there was there's definitely a conversation there Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I think that when it comes to longer books as long as there are still books coming out then I think you've got half and half there where there's the movie fans and there's the Harry Potter the you know book fans, and those mesh a lot, you know, people sure. are like, oh, I saw the, the movie, this was amazing, I should go read the other books, you know, yeah. I should be oh, head of the fandom, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. or I should get a sneak pre- peek of what the movies are going to be, you know, so... Um, you can also eclipse the source
2: material, through the screenwriter, if you, yeah. Yeah. a prime example would be like, Dexter, Dexter went in. I mean, you yeah. I mean, read the books of Dexter and this guy's sort of semi-incompetent, and and then you look at the the way that uh, uh, Michael C. Hall is, is playing it, and the way that it's written, it's much, it's so different. And, and many some of the characters died that that uh, survived in in both realms. Uh, I think the same way with True Blood too, um, where the the screen actually outstrips what I mean, and there is that possibility, but. Then you also take that risk that you're going to alienate the original fan base when you when you go to do that. But Mm -hmm. if you can elevate it, isn't that your kind of duty as a writer to sort of elevate the material to a point where it even
0: makes it better? Better? Yeah, exactly. I I, I, (laughs) honestly come to mind the the Walking Dead too. I mean, we're just talking. the, uh, the graphic novels versus the television show are two completely different universes. Absolutely.
4: Well, the fan base with Harry Potter is a little bit different because you okay. you can grow a new fan base as you go because the people that were five years old when the first one came out, you know, are going to grok the movie. Uh, but you know, three or four years later, when it's still a big thing, they're going to start at the beginning and they're going to follow it along. And then the one that was four years old is going to catch up. And, you know, <laughs> so it's not the same as having an adult audience having the same. you know, uh, universe around, you know, the adults might um, kind of spin out sooner and give up on it, you know, whereas the kids are still coming in because that's such an attractive thing for the kids.
0: Yeah, good point. Yeah, uh, I'll admit I said, you know, guilty. I, I watch a lot more movies than I do read books, unfortunately, a lot of a time crunch and everything, but there has been several movies that did draw me to the books, so I have gone the other way.
7: Exactly, that actually brings up my point. Is, you know, the books and movies are completely different subject matters, and you're going to have different fans for each. For me, in my past experience, what actually draws me into wanting to go read the book is how well they adapted the movies. Take Dune, for example. The movie, you know, David Lynch version, while missing tons of the book, had the great tone to make me excited to actually go read this giant book as a child. Instead of, you know, I would never pick it up. The BBC version. While true to a lot of the details, they added a lot of embellishments. The acting wasn't good, costuming wasn't good, and you're like, I don't want to read that book. (laughs) Whereas Lord of the Rings trilogy was the same thing. I tried the books as a kid, hated them, couldn't get very past them, then watched the movies, thought they were fantastic, went back and finally read the books. And John Carter was the same thing. I, I loved the movie. Yeah, they didn't do the greatest job. There was a lot of things to it. They changed some stuff, but, I mean, if you read the books... He gets to Mars by looking at Mars, and then he's on Mars. (laughs) You can't translate that to a movie. You can't go, and he's on Mars. So they had to develop some things and, you know, plausible character driven to get to that point. And, you know, Dejah Thoris in the books is like, oh, hi, I'm the princess great <laughs> it's like I'm not going to read that so I went back and read the whole series of John Carter after watching the Sci-Fi Channel came up with an adaptation of it was miserable after watching that my dad was so excited he called me and said the books I kept telling you to read there's, now watch the movie I watched the movie and went never ever ever will I read the book never So luckily, you know, as much as people hate the Disney version, the Disney version made me read the books. I was so excited, and I loved every book, and I would have never gotten there.
5: Sometimes, though, the adaptation does detract from, uh, you know, from from the source material. I mean, take John Carter, for example. In the books, everybody's naked. Yeah. And well, you, you know, know, know. and that, that's <laughs> the you know, And you can't really do that on uh, you, you, you can't really do that in, in a is movie adaptation. Really? You think? <laughs> yeah. the
7: fun <laughs> of the movie in the sense, you know, the sense of the books is where you're trying to go with the feel for it to make you go back and want to read the books and then really see where the source material was. Yeah. And that's the point to the movie.
2: It's good as I mean, John Carter is, is great as far as setting the groundworks and the structure for being a fan and, and, you know, like what Tarzan is, is, is also wonderful, but I think the only problem with John Carter, it's, it's again, because it's, it's, it's na- I think now it's a public domain work, isn't it? Uh,
0: the original John Carter, yeah. yes.
2: Yeah, and it's just, the problem is, is that there have been so many riffs and changes to that genre that the superhero has gone so much farther to take it back, and it's like, oh, yeah, he's amazing, he jumps, he does... <laughs> And, nope, he just jumps. Yeah. Oh, that could be good 20 minutes.
5: John yeah, my, my hey, you know, Carter has a lot of problems. You know, or, it, or it had a lot of problems in its production, but almost none of them are actually applicable to you know, the adaptation of the word. the no?
2: original and to know where it came from is so valuable. It's just that everything seemed to have yeah moved forward from that point. and It's kind of like it's hard to go back and... For for the film audience to go back and see the value of that
0: character. Then. That's a rough one. I think things like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. I think you, well, maybe Lord of the Rings that might be a little fuzzy, but definitely it's like things like Harry Potter and you know, the Twilight's or whatever. A little easier to take for the audience. Uh, yeah, going all the way back, you know, 200 years to John Carter, another story. You you brought up one thing that really bugs
3: me about film adaptations is. They need to trust the audience better. You were talking about you can't just get him to Mars by him looking at Mars. I say, why not? You know, why not take that just, yeah, who knows how he got here? Trust the audience to sort of go along with the ride. You know, no, you didn't have to have the, you know, Sauron actually come out and go do a sword battle with with Aragorn. I'm glad Peter Jackson, Jackson did ditch that idea. But, you know, did he need to add in the Nazgul-shattering Gandalf stuff? I mean, on, that was a total violation in the third movie there. Can <laughs> <laughs> get a point back here?
8: Uh, one the thing with John Carter was that so many of the elements of the book had already been done in myriad of other uh, movies over the years, and they thought it was a rehash, not realizing that all those elements had originally come from John Carter.
0: Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. That was my biggest gripe of almost all the criticisms that I read of John Carter. Like, oh, it was just a copycat of Superman and Star Wars. I'm like, did you actually ever look at the date that this thing was <laughs> written? You know, come on. Biggest gripe I had on that. I-, I loved that movie. I saw the movie in the theater. I was so thrilled I saw it in the theater. I thought it was a brilliant movie. I couldn't say more good things about it than I did everyone I went and saw it with loved it people I talked to I loved it for some reason all the papers and the critics hated it I'm like what movie did you see did they go did they get some special screening of the sci-fi channel one and did, you know, <laughs> no one told them and that's actually one that was an adaptation that I thought was fine I think what they changed I was okay with I went back and read, the, read John Carter of Mars after I saw the movie because I was curious to see what they had done and I thought it was fine. I didn't mind any of the changes or the updates. I didn't sit there and go, "Oh, they shouldn't have done that." I, I was fine with that change, with the changes they made. I was fine with the um, space clerics or whatever they were, the with the medallions. I mean, but
2: you're in a different you're in a different strata. You're there. There are the people who are here, mm-hmm. and these are people who care about the history of science fiction and, and how everything is developed and And then there are those who it's like, oh, that might be one flavor. Science fiction is one flavor of something they take now and again with some other things that they like. And the people that will care about it. I mean, I think, yeah, a lot of people, I I liked it. I liked it a lot. But I know my friends who have sort of a a very tangential relationship with science fiction just didn't, didn't appreciate it because it was more... For that core base, I think, mm-hmm. to know where it came from. It's like, yeah, Andy Rice bro. awesome. Yeah. You, know, you know, that's the master. It's where it all began. It's like, yeah, H.G. Wells, yes, that's perfect. But for them, it's like, oh, that's old. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not where we're at. And so, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, one adaptation I remember, well, you want to call it a re adaptation or a remake, was the, uh, the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds. Yes. didn't care for I mean I will go back and watch the George Powell pa- George Powell is that right yeah, Got the I went? Okay, I'll go back and watch the George Powell version over and over and over again even though it is probably further removed from the source material than the Tom Cruise version I didn't like the Tom Cruise version how about
2: Tiana's version of
0: the, the movie that shall not be named
8: <laughs> and there it is. Yeah.
4: Well, this is probably a little bit off topic, but when we finish with this one, I want to talk about this one and it has to do with the comment about that's the old stuff. I I am one of those people who is a big fan of Dickens and various other folks and you really a- had to work to
0: read, you know. <laughs>
4: but um, um I want to talk about a little bit about the graphic novels because I have a problem with
0: graphic novels. <laughs> We can go, go ahead. Did anyone have anyone else? any other points they wanted to make on the subject of the John Carters or the movie that shall not be named? <laughs> well, I think the, uh, the John Carter is a, a good example
9: of the lean way of adapting it and where you're adapting it to on the film. I mean, the the TV series versus the movie. Like, if you're adapting something to one TV series and where it's broadcasting versus if it's going into a movie, like the Game of Thrones series being on HBO and having this huge time to actually mm-hmm. explain everything versus, like, Lord of the Rings getting cut into, like, three and a half, four hours per book. Yeah. And just the, the amount that you can translate it where to. And then you take things like the Goodkin series when they tried and failed horribly to adapt it to the secret truth on... (laughs) It it was an awful attempt, and what it was, was I think they chose the wrong medium, because it was on a a public, regular TV station, and if they'd done something like an HBO or a Showtime, Mm -hmm. they could have gotten away with more, and been able to put more into it. I don't but know.
5: I, I read the Good Kind books, and I think they got exactly the the, um, the adaptation they deserved. <laughs> oh,
2: wow! Wow! wow.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> wow. <laughs> All
0: right, so let's shift a little bit into the graphic novels. I brought up The Walking Dead a little bit ago, and that's, that's definitely as hot as The Walking Dead is right now. We got Melissa McBride downstairs for one thing. Um, you know, definitely uh, worth mentioning. So.
4: Well, to me, it's it, there's sort of a cheat. I mean, in in, in some sense, you, you have two problems. The first problem is I, I, I'm actually a, a painter by profession, so you know I, I started out doing all the visual stuff, and there's something that grinds me about having this is how it looks. I mean, a movie does the same thing, but but a graphic novel is is more, um, it's more strident. It's more black and white. It's it it's it kind of hardens your mind into it and your imagination mm-hmm. goes okay. away. You know, um, So it's that and plus you lose all the text and you lose all the descriptions and the graphic is not usually enough to fill the gap.
2: Have you, have you ever seen Kurt Busiek's Conan series that he did the graphic novels of? I think it was Kurt Busiek. Um, it is it takes Robert E. Howard's lines and fills in the gaps with with beautiful paint and beautiful characters and whatnot and it is a storyboarded movie that is is a million times better than the Schwarzenegger version and 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 then you know honestly I thought that like the Jason Momoa version actually really came closer to encapsulating what Howard was doing with the short stories but they are these beautiful storyboards that that they they really, they take that extra step that maybe you're, maybe you're not, maybe your mind isn't ready to take or something like that to to say, oh, this is what this could have been. And
4: well, I, guess, I guess my problem is I I started out with my my idea of the predecessor of the graphic novel is those old little Star Trek books that had the little bubbles with the, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, they had the okay. photos and the little bubbles with the talk and
8: sure.
0: oh, gotcha. sure. Well, I mean, that argument, the idea that, you know, a graphic novel can take a story and because uh, because you're adding the pictures, you're eliminating that aspect of your imagination. Is that what you yeah. were saying? Well, that same argument can be said about any movie adaptation, too. If you're, you're showing the pictures, you're showing it, there's your imagination. You don't need to think about and use your imagination about, oh, what, what does this look like? Because it, someone else has done it for right. you. Um, and that's where, but honestly, though, I think that can help. Like I said, I've gone to some movies and then gone back to their source material to try to see where they've come from and everything and sometimes especially when you're dealing with some older novels or stories i think it kind of helps to have that image in your head that you can sort of place in there because sometimes the the language or the descriptions they might be describing something that hasn't existed in a 100 years you know you don't it's a, it, it, i think sometimes it helps to have those images in your head or that characterization in your head when you go back to those to just sort of help help you understand the, the source material?
6: I think, um, I think it's really difficult uh, to take um, a movie or, or, a, or a, a book and turn it into a graphic novel. Um, I think people who do it well should really be applauded because it's, diff- it's extremely difficult because, you know, you people, especially, not even just to, you know, make it good, but to get people to buy it, and to, to want to see it, because a lot of, I, I mean, I've had, I've been guilty of this myself, you know, I'll walk into a comic book store, and I'll see, like, you know, a Star Trek comic, or a Doctor Who comic, and I'm like, uh, ugh, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh like, don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of fan fiction, but this is just weird. <laughs> um, like, sometimes it's sort of like, I just, you know. But um, there are really amazing uh, graphic adaptations of, of of stories that we've already come to know and love. And I think it's just, like, when it comes to making a book into a movie, you know, obviously there is writing there that goes to um, the writing and the screenplay. Um but when it comes to a book, to a graphic novel, obviously there's writing there, but it's it's I think it's more difficult because obviously there's it's harder to be like oh this is you know the description like you have to take it and you have to really be able to take the imagery that's in a book and put it to that and depending on the book there might not be as much imagery. Um, that it, you know, it might be more, when it's more dialogue-based, you're like, okay, what do these characters look like? How do I <laughs> but, make but this believable?
2: But graphic novels are storyboarded the exact same way as films are in many cases. Right. And they're able to take, but it's, they're also able to take time and change time and show different ways that time is expressed in terms of a graphic novel, like you might have someone who is, you know, you'll see a, you'll see a punch come back, but you won't necessarily see the punch land. But you know that it did because you see the results of that later on. Like, uh, I don't know if you've read the book Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics, but it's a really, I mean, it's fascinating and it, it takes in all of the things that the graphic novel can do, is is pretty magical and it is a, a nice large stride towards the text which is only your imagination and the literal visual truth of the film, it's a wonderful intermediary step that still has you playing. You need to fill in the blanks with your with your mind as well. Um, I, I think that's definitely something that needs to be considered.
0: So. Anybody else have any points on that?
2: Well, it's just uh, when you're looking at those kind of adaptations,
9: each one's going to speak to a different audience and a different part of your imagination as well. And I think a great example of that was The Stand. Because Stephen King's The Stand, you have all three adaptations available, and all three speak to you differently as you're taking them in. And I mean, you can put different things into the graphic novel that you can versus into the film, and you, you get different feels out of it each way. So
0: Oh, absolutely. And yeah, uh, a, a fan of one is not necessarily going to be a fan of another, or you know, maybe someone will be a fan of two of them.
8: Uh, I was just thinking of a- adaptations of graphic novels to movies, like Frank Miller, you know, 300. Um, Sin City. Sin City. Yes. Yeah. You know, where the visual style sure. and the sure. yeah. graphic novel in Sin City's beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm.
8: I mean, it was so influenced by the art mm-hmm. they pulled into it.
0: I I think that was uh, really helped that. That's why I love Sin City so much is because it was this it was uh, like moving pictures from the graphic. I, it's hard right. to describe. Frank Miller was also given a co-director credit right. on mm-hmm. that one yeah. because of the storyboarding. Yeah, movie. no, I really loved it because it was so artistic. Yeah, but the colors, the they, they, they lit. I, I like the Watchmen, honestly. Yeah.
7: I get that's it. I mean, your point over there that comics and graphic novels are very different. I mean, they're they're written very differently. They're pictured very differently. So when you're talking about the Star Trek thing, that's a comic. And, yeah, they don't adapt well. They're fun. It's great for kids to get into and want to read and get into wanting to art and read and start reading. They would, you know, finally maybe hopefully read books. But it's a great place to start. But graphic novels are very, very different. They really are about the imagery of you see the picture and you can imagine more and go more with that. And they have better writing in the small writing that they have in it. And it is they, they adapt very well into movies because they start visually and then they move more into a movie. They're not trying to make it from a book. Those don't come across so well. But then I want them to bring back miniseries. HBO and Showtime are doing a good job of some of that, but the miniseries is, is a great way of actually putting in a book instead Dome, of your two-hour movie.
0: Yeah, Under the Dome is coming Dome, out. Uh, June, I think. Um, yeah. Apparently I heard uh, just recently that apparently they're going to remake the Shogun miniseries. Yeah. The original Shogun two two miniseries two is just absolutely phenomenal. Which, of course, makes whenever they tag on the word remake to something that makes me a little nervous. I'm trying, I'm trying so hard to keep an open mind on remakes. Reboot, yeah, they all say reimagining. Reimagining's the new one. I think that's the one that, kind of, that, I, that I use so I can sort of uh, swallow it a little better. Someone mentioned, um, well, someone mentioned the movie that shall not be named, but the original, The Day of the Earth Stood Still. I'll name that one. Now, has, has anybody read Farewell to the Master, of which that was based? Anybody? No, interesting. Farewell to the Master. This was a real interesting one because there are just little bits and pieces in that show. It's a short story. It's only you know a dozen, well, two dozen pages. It's not that long. And there's only just, when you watch the movie, you read the, 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 the short story, there's just little elements within the short story that appear within the movie. And so I, it really falls down to that. You almost wonder if it was the okay. We've got this m- movie, and it's a lot like this. So maybe we better make sure we buy the rights. <laughs> <laughs> Just to <laughs> mention, <make> sure... <laughs> uh, there is a giant robot. There is a spaceship that lands, and uh, and really that's about it. Uh, I don't even think the robot's not. E- uh, it's not even called Gort. He has some different name, um, and uh, and the end is similar, but it's a real interesting. Um, I would really recommend it. It's a short read. Like I said, it's only maybe two dozen pages. It's a real short story.
2: Farewell to the Master.
0: Farewell to the Master. And, uh, and that's, it's public domain, so you can find it easy. And it, it's just, as far as, um, I'm trying to put my words that are in my head, actually out of my mouth, sorry. <laughs> it's a real neat uh, look at how some things are adapted just based on, hey, this is a really great idea, Let's see what we can do with it and expound on it. They did a really brilliant job with the uh, with the original film, and as I understand it, the second film not so much so <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I have like... whoa I'm clap too <laughs> what is that? how much time do we got i know we're kind of we started a few minutes late, we got about ten minutes okay does anybody have anything else they wanted to bring up? I'm kind of
5: yeah sure this is, this is kind of an outlier um how many, how many anime fans in the audience?
0: Oh, interesting, yeah. Oh,
5: cool. Right, well, I mean, how many of you have actually read any of the manga that some of the most popular anime are available? Right? You.
8: Mm-hmm.
5: I mean, that, that's, an interesting, that's an interesting situation because a lot of times when a manga is adapted into an anime, usually it's done midstream. It starts... With the first couple dozen chapters of you know of the manga and then it catches up to where the creator is but the creator is running on a weekly schedule or a monthly schedule and they can't actually keep re- making content for it and so you get wildly divergent stuff in a lot of anime a good example um, Full Metal Alchemist was a TV series and it got to about the first I don't want to say first third of the of the the plot of the of the manga which only just finished this started like 15 years ago and it um and they didn't have any more chapters to adapt so they went their own direction and it was it was absolutely brilliant in a way but um yeah so i mean there's there's that adaptation there's that thing in the adaptation where you've got your um Creator, where the creators sort of on, on the one adaptation sort of outstrip the creators of the main work, but I think you see in Walking Dead because that's mm-hmm. also an ongoing um, comic series. Right. And Dexter as well. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, uh, Walking Dead is. A, a, I've been so scared to read the books. Uh, because I didn't want any spoilers, and, but then uh, Melissa McBride was coming to Starfest. So i was like, well, I'm kind of curious. What was her? What's Carol like in the book? So I started doing just a little wiki research and things like that and everything. And I'm reading about her and I'm reading the situations that she's in and it's like, that's not Carol. Yeah, you know, that's not the Carol I know. I'm thinking, you know what? I think it's okay to go read the books. Because It's a whole nother universe. And do you have
2: uh, Rick has is in the in the, in the uh, comics has lost a hand which is something that Kirkman actually talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago on The Talking Dead. He said, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Because in the comics, you'll see Rick. It's like, well, what's Rick doing right now? It's like, well, he's buttoning his shirt. No, he's not buttoning his shirt, because he only has one hand. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's going to open up this can. It's like, no. No, no. And I have to have, a, I have to include another panel in the comic to hand the can to another person to open for Rick, which is kind of interesting of the changes he made. And then um, I don't want to <laughs>
0: spoil anything. So, okay. okay, good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll read it and there'll be something, but I won't know it's a spoiler until I actually see it on the series, so that's, I feel like I'm safe. Okay, one more down here.
4: I'm going at the risk of getting myself in trouble with my mouth. I'm going to go back to the graphic novel for a minute. <laughs> um, I do book reviews, and um, it's one of the things that people have asked me to review, and I'm going, I don't know where to start. <laughs> so for, for those of you who spend a lot of time with graphic novels, I need some tips
5: ellen Moore. ellen Moore. Ellen Moore. Yeah. Ellen, if you're, you're what, are, what are you looking for specifically in terms of? Are you, are you just looking for a? It, Alan. Alan
0: Moore. Yeah. Alan, 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 Alan. Alan Moore. Not Ellen Yeah, okay. I said ellen I said Alan. Alan. Sand Sandman series. Oh, yeah, very popular. Yeah. Won the World Fantasy Award, and then after he won
2: the World Fantasy Award. They exempted graphic novels to keep him out of it. Yeah.
3: Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's good it's point. it's amazing. It, it references Shakespeare and mythology, yeah. and it's absolutely beautiful. And, and
8: he's a lovely man if you ever get to meet
7: him. He's the yeah, nicest he person. I like the graphic novels. I'm not a comic book fan. Superheroes that yeah. stuff. It's it's just not very good because I love reading books. That's why I'm with you. The comic books just don't have enough in there for me. But the graphic novels meet my expectations between movies and books yeah, to really, really enjoy thing. the story. And then you go, oh, I want to see that on the screen. Oh, well, Swamp Thing, yeah. And part of the thing with graphic
8: novels is if you okay. get the wrong illustrator,
7: you oh, know, sure.
8: like um, I read Patterson's uh, Witch and Wizard graphic novel, and I didn't think that much of the art. So you need the artist to bring the art forward.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
9: kind of
8: you like
2: know. An like if you have the wrong reader on a good on a good book, the wrong reader can absolutely kill the book. But it can also. But the right reader can take something middling and make it truly extraordinary too. Yeah.
8: But there's a part like I love Patricia Briggs, and her graphic novels are horrible. <laughs> and, it's like, and I mean they're just trying to make money. Mm. You know it's like the, the X Files or any adaption, uh, Jurassic Park by Topps. I mean when they make them in the comics, they're just terrible. And
2: you can also find. I think it's also important to find the graphic novels that are telling a story graphically that is right. is is limited. There's one that's called Stitches about this uh, this kid that is getting surgery for cancer, but does not know that because the parents didn't tell this child that they had cancer. So they having they have these stitches, and a whole story and imagination comes out of that. There's another one about an artist who's dealing with her, uh, her depression within the context of this. And it's not just guys and gals in tights, although those are awesome.
0: <laughs> 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 because
2: I want to fly. And, yeah. <laughs> so, but you can find amazing stories that are well told within the graphic novel um, Softly Falling Snow is one that I think that just came out. I think that's the name of it. But there's so many of them that are, are just really great and well told that aren't just what you would consider comic books. They are full-on stories that are graphically Stranges told and told long. Strangers in Paradise is yeah amazing. Um, that's
8: fans. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I think we're running a little bit out of time. and Of course, we've got another group coming in here shortly, and I don't know if they need to do any setup or anything like that, so we will call it quits. I want to thank you guys for a brilliant discussion. Uh, I, had, I had to talk so little, and that's what I love the best. So, really, thank you very much for coming out this early. Uh, if you didn't get a cup of coffee, you want a cup of coffee, there's a whole lot still in here. Please help yourself. Uh, why it's still a little, bit, still a little warm? or else I'm going to drink it all, and you're going to find me. I'll, I'll be like the Flash. You're not going to be able to actually see me. You know. Uh, again, thank you very much. Uh, check out the Timeshifters podcast and johnja.net. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. That was from the printed page of the flickering screen, recorded at Denver Starfest 2013. I want to thank everyone that participated in this panel. It was a fantastic discussion. Everyone really brought their A game, and I really appreciate it.